You're listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Dr. Jackie Nineheis, registered dietitian and professor of culinary medicine. And I am your co-host, Brooke Fredrickson, registered dietitian and certified diabetes care and education specialist. And we are here to challenge a culture around food and nutrition from a biblical perspective. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us. We are going to continue with our conversation. We were talking about specific diet foods, and we thought we ought to talk a little bit about some of the cholesterol issues, uh, maybe some of the other chronic diseases that are preventable, because we are dietitians and we really do care about our health and about nutrition, but we're also pushing back on the uh, culture from a biblical perspective. So when we talk about cholesterol, we wanna look at, you know, what are the facts and what is just uh, the media and marketing telling us that really isn't true? This is one of those areas that I think has been uh, pretty front and center in the media. I would say over the last 20 years, there's been a lot of debate about cholesterol. And I think there's still some things that we don't know. So I'm just going to kind of give that disclaimer at the beginning. Uh, But I want to talk through some of these things. And I think, you know, like one of the first things when it comes to cholesterol, I think that we have learned. And Jackie, if if you don't agree with any of this, please um, correct me or give your opinion on it. um, Is that, you know, eating cholesterol doesn't make your blood cholesterol go up. I totally agree. Yes. So I think that is one thing that science has shown is that when we eat cholesterol, it doesn't actually cause our blood cholesterol to go up because we have a mechanism in our body where our cholesterol like balances itself. So like the more we eat, the less our body makes and the more our body makes, you know, or the, the, you know, it balances that way. So if we're eating a lot of cholesterol, our body makes less cholesterol, but if we're eating less cholesterol, our body's going to make more. So cholesterol is used in things like um, cell membranes, uh, I think that's one of the main reasons for it. I think it might have a purpose in um, our lung surfacant as well. But yeah, so eating cholesterol is not a bad thing. So you don't have to worry about watching how much cholesterol you eat. You don't have to get, you know, eat egg whites and throw out the egg yolks because egg yolks are really the best part of the whole egg. So please don't do that for the sake of cholesterol because um, yeah, there's there's nothing wrong with that. So I'm going to start with that one, Jackie. What do you, What are your thoughts on Maybe, do you want to talk about saturated fat a little bit? So the interesting thing about, um, like what Brooke said, eating more cholesterol is not make your cholesterol go up. However, when we eat more saturated fat, that can increase your cholesterol. And so what's interesting is um, there's been a lot of research with plant-based diets, because first of all, I want to define a plant-based diet. Um, different people use the word differently, but the way I'm using it here is I'm going to be talking about a diet that um, has a lot of plants in it, but it's not necessarily vegetarian. It's not necessarily vegan, but some people who are on the vegan spectrum have uh, really pushed research on these saturated fats because a vegan diet is very, very low in saturated fat. Now, the interesting thing is that while saturated fat can increase your cholesterol levels, when you have 
a vegan diet that's totally devoid of almost any cholesterol or any saturated fat because that comes from primarily uh, plant or animal sources, we did not find the lipid profile that you would want to find. We found HDLs went down. And these HDLs are so important. We are always trying to tell people, oh, increase your exercise and let's see if your HDL comes up. And you know what? It does come up. And as a dietitian, that's pretty exciting because if we can get a patient to try something and their lab values change, that is amazing. And exercise increases HDL. Well, you go on a vegan diet, it will bring your HDLs down. So what is the mechanism behind that? Is because the because it's so low in fat or what, why does, why does, do you know why the HDL goes down? That's you really know, there are a lot of theories that okay. float around. And if you're talking to a researcher or a scientist who is vegan, they will tell you, oh, it doesn't mean anything. It, um, you know, that's not an indicator of health, the HDL going down. We don't worry about it. But if you're talking to maybe another researcher who is, um, a pro animal, uh, you know, eating animal products, you know, they're going to say, okay, we don't really know what's happening here, but the science we know right now makes it look like that's not a good thing. I was just going to say for our listeners who don't know, HDL is the good cholesterol we want in our body that actually helps to carry the bad cholesterol or the LDL out of our bloodstream. So we want that HDL to be higher and we want the LDL to be lower. Um, so I just yeah so the things that that sometimes people put out there on the fringes and they might be really really popular but when i say fringes it's that polarized idea you know it doesn't turn out to be really that healthy that once again that middle diet of including a lot of different foods a variety of foods really seems to be more beneficial than if you ate all meat, which is very, very high in saturated fat and healthier than if you absolutely left out all these different food groups. Yep. And another thing with saturated fat that I think a lot of people don't know about is there's actually, I think it's 16 different types of saturated fatty acids out there that are in our food. Some of them are much more detrimental to our cholesterol than others. Um, stearic acid, which is one of the fatty acids that's found in beef or red meat or in animal products is actually has a neutral effect on our cholesterol. And so when you hear about, you know, people saying, oh, we need to eat less red meat because it's so bad for our cholesterol and it's too high in saturated fat, the fat in it is actually not a bad one. Like it's, it's a neutral fat when it comes to our, um, to our cholesterol and beef actually has monounsaturated fat in it, which is that olive oil fat, um, which is a good fat for our bodies. And so it's really complicated when we get into all of the nitty gritties of the fats. Um, but yeah, saturated fat, I think is one of those that has been highly demonized, but it's also one of those that has been glamorized too. And I think through that low carb movement, now through the keto movement, people are eating really, really high amounts of saturated fats again. And it's really interesting to see um, and, you know, whether it's anecdotal evidence or if it's actual research, but you see some people go on these diets and their cholesterol improves. Some people go on these diets and their cholesterol gets worse. And so I think some of that too comes back to your genetics and it comes back to your, your familial history and what your risk factors are. And 
you know, some people do naturally have higher levels of cholesterol and some people have lower and there's different types of cholesterol, whether the LDL in your body is oxidized or not, that makes a difference if you're at an increased risk for a heart attack. And so cholesterol is really complicated. Um, but um, I'm glad you shared about that, uh, the saturated fat and the, the vegan diet and the, L, the HDL, because I've never heard that before. And that's really okay, interesting. So another interesting thing when we're looking at this, in our last podcast, I was sharing a research study where we had these uh, rats that ate this huge amount of caffeine and they had really negative effects. And Brooke said, yeah, but how much caffeine? Was it a toxic level? So I want to use that as a background for another study. And this was a study done at um, NDSU, North Dakota State University. And this researcher, he was looking at um, hearts, the heart of pigs who were given inordinate, like incredible amounts of beef, like such huge amounts of beef that it would be at toxic levels. And you're going to say, oh, their arteries must be totally clogged and full. Now, the, um, the heart of a pig is more similar to a human than just about any other animal we could study. So that's why he chose that to study. So he fed all this beef and it should have been at toxic levels. It should have been their arteries were so blocked. But you know what he found out? They weren't. Mm. It's like, okay, maybe we don't know exactly what's going on here, but I can promise you, we don't have to demonize any one product. Right. Because it, even at right. toxic levels, it was not showing effects that we would have expected. Right. Are you familiar with um, the, like the, the books or the research of uh, Gary Tobbs? Oh, yes. Do you know him? So he came out with a book, um, I want to say maybe 10 years ago, called Good Calories, Bad Calories. And he's one of these. He's a journalist, and he wrote this book on on nutrition science and kind of the history of the low fat, low cholesterol message over the last hundred years. And he's the one that kind of came out and said that, you know, um, it's all a lie. Now I know there's a lot of politics in how all of that messaging came. So I'm not going to get into it, but I was just curious if you, if you were familiar with him, but I know he, he was kind of one of these big pushers of the, um, the low carb, high fat, movement I think that's out there right now and the pushing the butter and the pushing eggs and the pushing all of that stuff um uh because of his book so it's it's an interesting um it's an interesting read I think of course take everything with a grain of salt but uh, I feel like a lot of things turned in the media and in the public sphere when he came out with this book I think that was one of one of those turning points um but another thing to think of with cholesterol too one people one thing people don't maybe necessarily realize that sugar can actually have an effect on our cholesterol. Sugar raises our triglycerides. Alcohol is one of those other things that raises our triglycerides, which can have effect on our overall cholesterol. I think fat is often demonized, especially saturated fat, but sugar, sugar can be just as detrimental. When we look at like, and you mentioned too, Jackie, exercise plays a role. So there's all these different things. Our fiber intake in our body plays a role on our cholesterol levels. And so again, it all comes back to looking at what is our overall diet look like? Are we eating a diet that's super low in fiber and super high in saturated fat? We're probably going to have a not ideal cholesterol panel, but if we're eating a high fiber diet, you know, if we're getting, and I would say a moderate amount of a variety of fats, I think all of the different fats that we eat play a role. 
Um, and I don't think any of them should be demonized, but we should get a variety of them, right? They shouldn't all come from saturated. They shouldn't all come from unsaturated. Uh, and so when we're eating that way and we're getting a you know regular exercise, um, we're gonna have a more beneficial cholesterol panel um, to the extent that we can control it that way. Now, there are some people who can't control it through lifestyle. Uh, there are, like I said, there's some people who just have familial uh, hyperlipidemia and they're just gonna have high cholesterol levels no matter what they do because it's in their genes. And so anyway, those are some of the things uh, that we wanted to bring to light about cholesterol. But Jackie, what else do you have to well, share? I just wanna say that when I talk with my patients about cholesterol, about their lipid panel, I always say, you know, um, at the side, there's a comparison to what the recommendation for your cholesterol levels should be. And I say, you know, that's okay for the first time you get your cholesterol done or the first time you get your lipid panel done. But after that, you ought to just compare it to yourself because some people are naturally low and some people are going to be naturally high. You know, it's genetics. There's a lot of things involved here. So looking at that scale and comparing it to that scale is kind of like saying, okay, I'm at a really good weight for me, but I'm still above the recommended uh, BMI. You know, it's not helpful information. So it's better that if my cholesterol started out at 180 and the next time I go to the doctor and I've even made some changes in my diet and it's down to 175, that is success. Even if it's not maybe at the exact level of those uh, numbers over there and look, keeping those lipid panels through the years, looking at what it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, that gives you really, really good information of what direction you're going. And I always like to have patients look at the HDL and at the bottom of their lipid panel, make some notes. I was walking every day. I was, um, you know, busy doing this and this. I was on my feet. I was very active. I was taking the stairs. Um, just make a note of what your life was like at that point. And so 10 years later, if your HDLs have gone down, you can think, oh, you know, I've given up walking. I don't have as active of a job. I maybe need to make those changes. And you could also make notes on how you ate because some people respond to dietary changes, some people really don't respond very much. And, and it gives you an idea of how your body's responding. Yeah. Well, and I think too, cholesterol is just one of those, um, it's just one risk factor for heart disease or heart attacks. It's not the only thing. So there are lots of people who have extremely high cholesterol that never have heart disease and never have heart attacks. And there are people with normal cholesterol who have heart attacks. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's not like, I think like some people feel like, oh, if I have high cholesterol, then I'm going to die of a heart attack. And it's like a death sentence for them. And that's not necessarily true. Um, I, I used to work when I first, when I first graduated, I worked in a cardiac cath lab and I would do um, education with people who were just coming out from like having stents or having heart surgeries. Uh, and I actually did education on this same guy in two different instances. He was, he was a vegan marathon runner of all people. And he had had two heart attacks. And so he's like, I just can't figure it out. Like I'm doing everything right. And I'm still having heart attacks. And I'm like, you know, maybe um, heart disease just runs in your family. Maybe it's, you know, this is something that's out of your control. 
if you think that, you know, your, your lifestyle isn't helping and you feel like you're doing everything you can from a lifestyle standpoint. So it was just interesting that this guy was doing these extreme things um, to, to try to prevent this. And he, he still had heart attacks. That is crazy. That is crazy. So another thing that I do with my patients is I try to look at their history, their family history. And like you say, maybe a family has a lot of uh, risk of heart attack or they have a risk of heart attack because there've been heart attacks in their family. So this issue of whether you eat margarine or butter, first of all, my family, we always eat butter and most of my kids' families eat butter too. But I do have that situation where um, if somebody has um, a huge incident of heart attack in their family, that it might be worth going to another product. And um, the other side of the story is that some of these margarines and hydrogenated um, margarine kind of products, you know, have an increased risk for cancer. So for one, there's an increased risk for heart disease. For the others, an increased risk of cancer. So my daughters, their genetic history through their father is there are so many women with breast cancer. There are so many women with cancer and actually men with cancer in that family. I always tell them, go with real butter. But if it was reversed, and they had a lot of heart disease, I would say, you know, you might think about going with another product. And one idea is to make your own spread. You could take a fourth of a stick of butter and you could um, add olive oil to it to make it spreadable. And you have just decreased the saturated fat in it. And um, you don't have to worry about the hydrogenation or something like that. So, you know, Looking at your family history can also give you guidance. You do not have to eliminate anything, but there are ways you can cut out. Okay, so I don't know, Brooke, you tell me if you think this is a good thing, but I, I, I do this because it tastes good, but I wonder if reducing saturated fat this way has any benefits. Um, honey butter. You know, if you use honey, mix butter and honey, you are reducing the saturated fat by half if theoretically you used the same amount, but then you're increasing your sugar content. Mm -hmm. So um, what do you think is a good spread? Um, We just use butter in my house. You know, like if we're going to put it on, um, on like bread or toast or anything, I mean, I use butter on potatoes, you know, stuff like that, vegetables. Um, But we also use a ton of olive oil. So, and I use a lot of peanut, you know, or nut oils. So I, when it comes to, you know, the butter or the margarine debate or what to do, um, again, I think this is a very individual choice. Like you were saying, I, I guess it depends on your risk factors. It depends on what you prefer taste-wise. Again, amount and frequency matter. <laughs> so if you have, um, you know, butter on your toast every morning, and that's really the only time you eat butter and you're using olive oil and other oils and you're cooking, Um, and you're getting more of those beneficial fats that way, I think that's great. Now, if you're putting a half a stick of butter on your baked potato every day, that's going to be a problem. So again, amount and frequency matter. I think a variety, if you're using a variety of different fats in your diet, you're going to find that you have like a balanced fatty acid profile in your diet. I think another way to look at it too is, you know, be intentional about adding those unsaturated fats because we typically get enough saturated fat in our diet. I don't think we have to try to get saturated fat. I think just naturally 
Um, especially if you're eating animal products, you're going to get saturated fat in your diet. So maybe you just have to be a little more intentional about eating those unsaturated fats, whether it's using olive oils or, or eating avocados or, um, you know, snacking on olives or, or using peanut butter more on your toast rather than, than regular butter or something like that. I think sometimes just you're, if you're, if you're a little more intentional about that, you're kind of automatically going to be reducing your saturated fat intake without even intentionally reducing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And um, I have a student from Spain and it's really interesting because they said, wow, Americans eat a lot more butter than we do Spain. So I said, well, what do you eat? What do you put on your toast? She said, in the morning for breakfast, they put a little olive oil on their toast with a little bit of salt. I had never heard that. I did not realize they even, that's how they eat it for breakfast. So um, I thought that was an interesting, interesting yeah. thing. You know, we yeah. might, we might have bread dipped in olive oil for an evening meal, right. but never thought of it for breakfast as toast, right. So, well, and that's interesting because Spain is right next to France and France is like the country of butter, right? Like, don't they use butter in everything and have really high amounts of butter? So it's just interesting to see how culturally that's different. And um, heart disease is actually pretty low in France too. So again, correlation does not mean causation. That's right. That's right. So there's a lot of things to look at with this diet industry. And I think if we're going to leave with some really practical tips, number one, you know, don't take the labels at face value. Uh, the marketers have tried to use terms to pull you in and not necessarily be transparent. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, think of, um, think of the uh, foods that you're eating and look at your family history and just be intentional about, you know, what you choose that you, of the foods that you eat the most frequent and mm -hmm. not really worry about those um, occasional times right. when you decide to have something special. But if it's something that you have every single day, every single meal, those are the ones to have more intentional, uh, better choices. Yeah. Yeah. And cholesterol is just very complex. Um, you know, maybe aim for more unsaturated fats than saturated fat, but you don't have to give up saturated fat. Uh, you don't have to give up cholesterol. You don't have to go vegan. Understanding that sugar also plays a role in it. So don't get rid of all the fat and replace it all with sugar, which I think is what those fat free products did, right? They get rid of all the fat and then they replace it with sugar. So it still has some taste value, um, but that's not necessary either. So again, it really comes down to eating a balanced diet. I think um, if anyone does have high cholesterol or they're concerned about their cholesterol, um, you know, maybe not so much focusing on what to get rid of in your diet, but what can you add? You always add more fiber, add more fiber, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, that's going to benefit your, your um, cholesterol and your heart health just as much as trying to cut back on something. And sometimes adding more things to your diet is easier than cutting back. So that's maybe another aspect to look at it too. That is a really, really good indicator. And, you know, what we grow up with is often what, what we eat um, throughout our lifetime. So when mm -hmm. you're thinking about feeding kids, you know, think about all those wonderful fruits and vegetables and letting them taste a lot of different grains, um, letting them try different meats and different dairy products, let them try eggs and find 
find a, a real variety of foods that they'll enjoy, that is probably going to be the number one thing for your lipid profile, for your cholesterol, for your saturated fat intake. Yep. Yep. And I think that's where that French paradox come in is they've really enjoyed their food for some reason it, it benefits their health as well. So, um, that's a, that's a whole different topic, but okay. Well, I, I hope you enjoyed that, uh, conversation on cholesterol. If you guys have any questions, you know how to get a hold of us. You can find us through our websites or on our Instagram page, and we hope you have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Eat With Grace podcast. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. We would love to have you leave a review or comment on our Instagram page. It's been great to share this time with you. And we pray that you have a grace-filled day.